You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Lord, please give me the words to speak so that those who are here will hear what you want them to know. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, I'm really glad y'all came because, like I said, I have been doing this talk around Birmingham for about... Well, a long time. <laughs> and um, my name is Helen Owens. And um, I'm going to start with a quote by Robert Morgan, who said, Somehow in the wonder-working providence of God, our worst problems become our best pulpits. Our testimonies are forged and crafted in the trials of life so that things that happen to us are for the furtherance of the gospel. Um, also, Harriet Tubman the great Civil War emancipator said, quote, I freed thousands of slaves, but I could have freed thousands more if they had only known they were slaves. So I added, recognition is the prerequisite of liberation. And you'll hear that again, because I think that's really true. Um, The Bible has a lot to say about money. Actually, it's mentioned over 2,400 times, maybe only more about love. So there are millions I could pick from, but I'm going to read three to y'all. The first one is Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with its income. This, too, is vanity. Then 1 Timothy chapter 6, 9, 10, and 11. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a pang. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And the last one I'm going to read is Hebrews chapter 13, 5 and 6, which are... Let your character be free from the love of money, being content, that's a big word, with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you, so that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What shall man do to us? And there's so many more, because I think God intends for us to be doing a better job with money than we're doing. Um... I am going to stand up here and try to be really authentic and very transparent because why should you listen to me if I'm not going to tell you the truth? So I will tell you the truth. I'll try to clean it up a little bit. Um, My group that I refer to, my little family, Dickie, my husband, who is my guest speaker next week, he loves when I say it. He's like, please, do I have to be the guest speaker? Yes, and he is. Um, and he still is the cutest person I've ever met in my life. We've been married 100 years. And every time I say that, he says, oh, she's real pretty, but she's not real smart. And so we go into kind of a comedy routine. Rat, you've met, is my son. He's married to beautiful Gunter. They have two precious children, Helen and Charlie. And you've probably seen Charlie around here <laughs> with the white hair. He's funny. And then our daughter, Milner, is married to Joseph. They live in Nashville. And they're having their first baby in May, a little boy. Um, We are a family of believers. 
And we are also the most driven group you have ever met. You don't want to play Monopoly with us. In fact, Gunnar has said that. I'm not playing with y'all. Tommy Mayfield said, I'm not playing with y'all. Because we want to win, right? But I have found out that if you're a success, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're good looking, that you inherited money, that you're smart. It means you have some grit. It means you can get up after you've been kicked down and you can keep getting up. And that is my group. That is what we do. Um, my husband, Dickie, has a law degree, but he's worked forever for a big Alabama energy company. And I refer to that as the corporate ladder in my talk. We lived in England before, uh, for four years before we lived in Birmingham, and then we came back from England and have lived here since. Um, we have a lot of great close friends, and actually a lot of them have asked me to include their stories in here because they may or may not have done a great job with money. Because <laughs> I was telling Guy, it doesn't matter. This talk really is not about how much money you have. It's the way you think about money. Um, and America doesn't think very well about money. We're in debt. And so that's the reason this talk, I believe, has really taken off. Um, so whether you hear it from me or you hear it from someone else, you need to be aware of what debt even is. It is a prison. And being out of debt is freedom, like Harriet Tubman said. So 10 years ago, um, my house started being open. It was always open to my children's friends. But some of them started asking me for budget help because I'm great with a dollar. Now, my... Um, <laughs> My disclaimer is that I have an art history degree, which was really smart. Um, so I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an accountant. I am great with money. I n knew from the time I was little that if you had a dime, you can't spend but nine cents. That's it. I got that. And I, people have been asking me to help them for about 10 years. Some have done real well. Some have not. But at least they came and heard the message. I've been helping them, a young couple recently who's literally their marriage is on the rocks. And I mean, I kicked their rear ends. But, and I think they're doing better. But I told them marriages in America do not end mostly because of lack of love. They end because of money problems. So I learned, I learned from the bottom up. And Dickie came to me. He was going into corporate America. He's still in it, 5 a.m. to seven at night and he said you're going to have to take over the finances because we will never have power we will never have water i had a part-time job at that time and um i didn't know how to balance a checkbook but i learned and that's the beauty of this talk is you can learn how to change your behavior and live within the walls of a budget um dickie and i live in crestline we have renovated our house three times, and that's another whole story. Gail, if you want me to talk about that, that's a whole Sunday school lecture series. <laughs> um, we come from nice, complicated families, but we didn't have any trust funds, and I spent years being really mad about that, really mad. Luckily, I didn't speak it as much as I thought it. I thought it about it all the time. I was so mad that you'll see in my talk. For some reason, I do have some regular friends. 
I have a lot of really wealthy friends. And um, was it, it wasn't easy to be the couple who was always on the budget, couldn't go out a lot, didn't have as much stuff, got the used car. You get the picture. So I wasted a lot of time in comparison. And comparison is dangerous. And it's not what God intends, which I will get into later, which I learned. Um, Dickie has always worked really hard. There's that grit again. So when we came home from England, we had two small children, Rat and Milner, and it did not take a physicist to realize that I had to get out there and make some real money. So I got into real estate. I sold real estate for 23 years. So what that did was put Dickie in a grinder business and me in a really grinder business. But we were in the ditch together. So we were going to do this together. We made choices together. We have always had a plan together. And we have a huge respect for each other and what it takes to earn a dollar. Because we've watched each other do that. Um, so we're those people, right, that started out in Crestline in a tiny little duplex. And over the years, we've built up. And now we're very comfortable. Dickie runs one of the big divisions, has 342 employees of this big Alabama energy company. And um, I will tell you, I've written in here, um, was it easy? No, no, it wasn't easy. But we've always had a really strong marriage. I talked to my Bible study leader actually about this and said, do you think it's weird that I'm doing talks around town about Dickie and me and our budgets? And she said, she literally said, are you kidding? That is such an issue that you're just you're just stepping on that swollen toe. That's all you're doing. It's just going to keep growing and keep growing because America's in debt. So she really validated my talk and what I'm doing. Um, there's a peace living within the boundaries. And our house has always had that. And Rhett and Milner would tell you that. They knew that there was a budget. They knew that if we did something, we were going to do it with a glad heart because we had budgeted the money. And that's one of the things I say in here. When you get on a budget, if you have budgeted something, spend it. You've saved it. You've got it there. So I think there's a lot of freedom in that, to in that planning. Um, and again, our house has a real respect for money and how it is used and where it's used. So I asked Dickie to give me some of his favorite quotes um, since he wasn't going to be here. He's out of town. And the one that I have heard him say a million times is that debt is a killer of wealth. Be patient in tough times as they will strengthen you or conquer you. He said, this is so typical, what are your goals, financially or other? And if you don't have a goal, it's time to set one. Simply put, it's revenue versus expenses. That's how he runs the company he runs, and that's how we run our house. And I'm still doing all the bills because he, we still would not have power if, if he was doing it. So he totally, we get that. We also have kind of a beat the system. <laughs> I definitely have a beat. I'm very competitive. And so when Rep was 
first, maybe first year of high school. He's always been tall and very handsome, but he was very skinny then. And he was outgrowing his clothes a lot. And he came and said, you know, I'm in a bleed out. I need a new blazer. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, I'll, at that time, I really could have gone anywhere and just bought him a blazer. And, but I thought, no, because he's not going to wear it that much. So I found a secondhand store. Never been to one. It was a trip. It, it's actually really fun. I went to the men's clothes, and I thought, well, who is giving clothes here? It's my wealthy friends. So I found a great-looking blazer, took it home. I, the only thing I can do, I'm a terrible cook. I can sew on some buttons. So I took Rhett's monogram buttons, put them on the blazer, saved the buttons. He wore it for three months. I had it cleaned, handed it to him. He never asked me. I would have told him that I had gotten it there. He wore it for three months outgrew it his arms were hanging out so i took his buttons off re-sewed those on took it back to the store gave it back to him i paid five dollars for that coat i actually paid more to have it cleaned which kind of irritated me but and it reminds me of the commercial with coach saban when he's looking at the girl who's about to click yes to the 750 dollars cotton dress and he says, are you sure you want to do that? I mean, is that really going to make your life, that thing? And you, y'all have seen it. And she's like, well, okay, I won't. And he said, yeah, I didn't think you would. And it makes me think that that's so true because a lot of people can afford to buy a $750 cotton dress, which is what she's looking at. And it's okay. I, I don't have a problem with it if, if that's what you want to do. I just, I don't really understand that. Because really, is that cotton dress going to make your life? And especially if you don't have the money and you've just put yourself in a debtor's prison. And you're going to wear it three times, like the blazer. I have learned a lot of things in these past years since Dickie and I got married. And one of the biggest is generosity and giving. And it's not because of me. It's because I'm married to someone who is really generous and really giving, and that is Dickie. And he hates it when I say that, but it is true. He says, don't oversell me, don't oversell me. I'm like, well, I'm just gonna tell the truth, and that's true. Actually, when I think about this whole talk, I wish that I had embraced, I mean really embraced being on a budget in, in my 20s. I wish I'd been really gutsier, braver, and thought, and said, you know, yeah, I'm on a budget, bring it on. And I didn't. I spent a lot of time really mad, really comparing. And um, finally, God got my attention. And he taught me through a series of lessons that I was taking about the word allotment. And that's the most important word in this whole talk. Because today, whatever you have, whoever your friends are, whoever you're married to, whatever is in the bank, it is God's allotment for you, period, the end. It's, pro it's probably going to change. It might get better. It might get worse. But today, what you have is his allotment. So all that time that I was spinning in my mind, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, if I just understood that I had that day what God meant for me to have and since then, I've gotten a lot more, but I understand the concept. And just because you have a lot of money doesn't mean you have to spend a lot of money. You can give a lot of money. You can be smart with money. And it, it really, this isn't about how much money you have. It's about how you think about it. 
Um, there's a man in Birmingham that people make fun of. I think, actually, he's really smart. I probably wouldn't want to be married to him, but... And people call him cheap. So, and they've always said that about him. And a few years ago, I started realizing, one, cheap is a mean word. Because I don't think he's cheap. I think he's frugal. I think he's smart. He's built a great life for his family. And I look now at people who are good with money, and I think, you are so smart. That's what I'm thinking. Okay, so you get it that you have 10 cents and you're only going to spend nine. That is smart. Um, when I think about comparison, it appeared that I had less than some friends of mine. Like I said, I have a boatload of wealthy friends and then some actual normal people. So one of these people, when right within high school, came to me and said, I want to talk to you. I said, okay. And she said, I know that you and Dickie are on a tight budget then because I actually saw, well, we have two children. They're going to want to have big weddings. They're probably going to go on to law school, medical school, whatever they're going to do. All those things down the road. So I started really saving um, a lot of my um, real estate commissions and things. So I, I had a big savings account going on. But it was tough. It was tight. And she said, I know that you look at me with all of my trappings, but I'm looking at you. And I said, you're looking at me. Why? She said, because your family's intact. You have everything you've ever wanted, I mean needed, and a lot of what you want. And she said, so you're looking at me. And she said, I wish my family was intact. And it's not. But yours is. It's healthy. So understand that I'm I want what you have. It was huge for me. Uh, it just blew me apart. I thought, see, I don't know anything. I don't know what anyone else has. I don't know what anyone's thinking. And I learned that from her. Um, I will say choosing great friends is really important. And we have a number of great friends one couple that's really been through thick and thin with us. Our children are all great friends. And um, I will tell you, that's been... They did not love us because we had money. They had money. They just loved us. That's so important in your life, just for your whole life. And now that things have changed for us, nothing's really changed between those friends and me and Dickie. Um when you think about starting to hone in a budget, I would really encourage you to, to just own it and be honest about it. And um, because, again, like I said at the beginning, recognition is the beginning of liberation. So get help if you need it. There's lots of help out there. My house has got a revolving door, and I don't charge, but, of course, you get what you pay for, but um, <laughs> I'm free. Uh and remember that if you want to change your fiscal personality, you can do it. It takes determination. It takes hard work. It takes grit, even if you have money. But you want to get wise about it. It takes setting a goal and being really smart and to understand that what you have today is what God has allotted you. Um, my Bible study teacher said this. I loved it. Never let the things you want make you forget the things that you have. 
And my allotment is what God intends for me today. And that word today is really the biggest part that goes along with allotment. And ask God to help you to turn the plague of want into a spirit of gratefulness. So I like to end with some quotes from from some other people who are a lot more (laughs) eloquent than me. Um, The first one is, if your household has $45,000, think about that, combined, you're in the top 1% of the world. I could not believe that. Um, This is by an anonymous person, but I think it's great. If you live in a good home, have plenty to eat, and you can read, you're a member of a very select group. If you have a good house, food, you can read, have a computer, you're among the very elite. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you're more fortunate than the millions who will not survive this week. If you can attend a church meeting without fear of harassment, if you have food in the refrigerator, clothes on your back, a roof overhead, and a place to sleep, you're richer than 75% of the world. If you have money in the bank, in your wallet, and spare change in a dish someplace, you are among the top 8% of the world's most wealthy. And if your parents are still alive and still married, you are very rare. Another great quote is, our background and our circumstances may have influenced who we are, but we're responsible for who we become. So you, you can, you can change behavior. And like I said before, it's not easy. Look for people whom you admire and do what they do. Ask for their help. Alright, the last quote is from Anna Quinlan. She's a writer. She gave this commencement address at Villanova. And I think it's great. I've picked out some parts that I want to read. She writes, so here's what I wanted to tell you today to these college graduates. Get a life, a real life, not a manic pursuit of the next promotion, the bigger paycheck, the larger house. Do you think you'd care so very much about those things if you blew an aneurysm or found out you had cancer? Get a life in which you're not alone. Find people you love and who love you. Kiss your mom, hug your dad. Just added that in. <laughs> Get a life in which you're generous. Care so deeply about goodness that you want to spread it around. Take money you would have spent on pleasure and give it to someone. Work in a soup kitchen. This is the best line. All of you want to do well, but if you do not do good too, Doing well will never be enough. It is so easy to waste our lives, our days, our hours, our minutes. It's easy to exist instead of living. I learned to love the journey, not the destination. I learned that it's not a dress rehearsal and that today is the only guarantee that I have. That's pretty much it, except if I have time. Do I have time for one story that's just funny? Um, like I said, when, when Milner and Rat were growing up, and I started getting it that there were going to be these big expenses down the road. Weddings being one. And Milner, Dickie's, I mean, Rat's sister had a really big, nice wedding. Well, I had been saving for it for 10 years, so I had the money. I was ready. Um, 
And we went some over, but we also had that money too. I wasn't going in. I don't go into things without preparation and knowing what I'm doing. I just don't. Um, so this, where she had this really huge reception, called us the next week and said, can you come in and pay the bill? They, they were not waiting until the end of the month to get their check. So I went, sure, okay. So I go in with the big checkbook, the savings checkbook, and this man, this head of the finances, he puts a number on a piece of paper and slides it across the desk. <laughs> so I pick it up and I go, oh, well, we kind of blew it. We went 4000 over. Oh, well. So I, I said, fine. And I write out this <laughs> very long check, give it to him. And I said, you know, just as an aside, why did you write that down? He said, well, last week we had a man that came in here. His daughter had a big old blowout wedding, like your wedding. But he had never asked. This just makes me nuts. He had never asked how much it was going to cost. His friends drank a lot. And when we told him the number, he literally stood there like this, and he fell over in his chair. And he, I'm the accountant, and I just went, there's a man on my floor. I think he's crying. And I looked at that man, and I thought, People really do that. I bet people really do that. And I've learned since by telling that story, people really do that. I just, I don't know, it, it, it was funny. So I got in the, in the parking lot and called Dickie and said, well, I wrote the big check. Thanks for letting me go and do that by myself, which is usual. But um, I told him the story he went. He actually said, thank you. Thank you that we were not those people. So before next week, I um, plagiarized a really great budget, um, and I'm going to hand it out to you. And if you don't need it, give it to somebody else. Um, I didn't include the bug man, which is one of my best expenses, and I, I don't know why they don't have that on here, but if you have a bug man, you want to put that thing. So, thanks, buddy, because you'll do that. And can I hand you all some of these to hand out over there? And next week... Um, the first part of my second talk is about children, and then Dickie Owens will be here, and we're going to answer some questions. So, y'all be thinking of your questions, and I would encourage you between now and then, if you're not on a budget, write down. Look at this budget. It's, it very much breaks it down. So, that's it for me. Y'all have any questions? All right. Sure. Sorry. So you you were all general, right? But like in like two minutes, give me the specifics of like how when y'all get paid, what you like actually do. Okay. Well, first of all, your father has never done any of this. So, but the beauty of that is that he trusted me. He knows I'm going to do a good job. So why wouldn't he trust me? And I will tell you, this young couple that's coming to see me, that's the real issue, is they don't trust each other, and it's ripping them apart. But anyway, so I have in my mind and in the bank, I have a monthly budget, I have a yearly budget, because they're yearly things, taxes, uh, insurance, and I have a long-range budget. So I actually, when we get that paycheck, I put the specific amounts in those accounts. And I have a record of every single thing that's in those accounts. 
Now, I had a huge savings account, and um, I actually went to the bank, do you, I don't know if you know this, and paid off our mortgage. It was so much fun. It was about, we had like 75000 left on our mortgage, and I stood in line at the bank, and I went up and I went, you know what, I think I want to pay off my mortgage. And the people was what? what? Well, I was in real estate, and I, I knew you could do that. They were just, I just wrote out a check and said, thank you. I said, can I have a letter or something? Because when my husband comes home, I'm going to give him a cocktail, and I'm going to hand this to him, to him too. <laughs> I remember Dickie just going, he wasn't even that surprised. He went, okay, well. That fits Helen Owens pay off the mortgage. But it's it's assigning. That's all it is. But it's thinking ahead. That's why I love this budget. It's not just monthly. It's yearly and down the road. Did you have a question? I have like ten questions, but um, so do you have different accounts? Do you have I mean do you do like an envelope system? What do you you can. I think it, I have a friend that has had to go to cash. She's my age, and she's had to go to cash because she just literally cannot do it, which is okay. I'm whatever it takes for you to get fiscally sound, do it. We but yes, the I love the envelope. Yeah, I and love you, the envelope. I love the envelope. And I've told people sometimes the envelope is really fun because if you get your fun money in cash and then you put it in envelopes, so at the end of the month you look in your Dinner out, envelope, if you got 10 bucks, well, that's what you get. If you have $100, spend it. Go have fun. But I do. I have a checking account. I have a money market account. And then we do have a man. Like I said, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a stockbroker. And we have a great guy who's helped us. I mean, we used to have like that much for him to help us with. And as time's gone on, he has helped us grow into, we do have a, a little bit. And, um, yeah, so, that's valuable, too. And I know the Advent has a whole boatload of people who do financial planning. So I would suggest it's worth it. Go and see. About you have multiple accounts for monthly, annual, long-term? Monthly. And if we get a bonus or when I was doing real estate, I've only been gone, retired for two years. But if I had a big closing, I, I didn't just put it in spending. I would allocate it. Okay, this is part's going here. This part's going in a car fund in case we want to buy a car sometime, wedding fund, law school, medical school. And I would just literally go in and say, okay, I'm going to put it in all those little cubby holes. Now, the, it was one deposit, but I had it, I have it written down exactly what is in each one of those compartments. But it's pretty easy to make online, especially now for online banking, you can make separate accounts. Yes. I talked to a um, group from Church of the Highlands that was graduating from college, and it was so funny because, see, I'm still thinking in envelopes and coffee cans, and they're, they're over there, oh, well, you know, really, Miss Owens, you learn how to do this online, and I'm like, mm-hmm, okay, well, maybe not, <laughs> but yeah, I think online is easy if you know how to do it, so, well, thank y'all for coming. I hope you understood. And Rhett said I was general. Um, next week we get a little bit more specific. But like I said, if you want to learn how to get on a budget, call me. I would love to meet with you because we can do it. Okay, I will. Lord God, I thank you that you have given such a servant as me um, something to say. I hope that 
whoever's here has heard what you wanted them to hear. And Lord, I ask a blessing over each family here. Help us to look to you and to be grateful all the time for what we have and for your son. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.